Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. We have a three-module digital course that will show you how to build a better, more profitable architecture firm, and we want you to have it for free. Gain access to profit for small firm architects right now at entrearchitect.com slash free course. Entree Architect Podcast, episode 117. Welcome back to the Entree Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, whether you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion and live the life of your dreams. Every new generation of architects enters the profession with the idea that they will make a difference and they will change society for the better. Well, with new skills and access to new tools and a driving passion to serve others, this next generation of architects may just be the ones to do it. This week on Entree Architect Podcast, the president of the American Institute of Architecture Students, Danielle Mitchell, and I chat about architecture, students, leadership, and how the next generation of architects will change the world. This episode of the Entree Architect Podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks, the easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. Learn more at freshbooks.com slash architect. 
Danielle Mitchell, president of the American Institute of Architecture Students. Welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you very much, Mark. I'm really excited to be here. It's it's great having you here. Um, I'd like to get started like I do with all my guests. I'd like to get down to your origin story and talk about where you've come from, sort of how you discovered architecture and your journey to where you are today. Sure. Um, so similar to many architects, I had a real passion for art growing up as a kid. Um, I was always selling some type of different artwork piece in garage sales and um, trying to figure out how I could get my drawings to see the world. Um, but then obviously going throughout school, trying to find where I could really align my passions with um, art and design with a more tangible and impactful field. Architecture fell into my lap um, as really just a, a second thought. Um, and I ended up getting introduced to a summer camp that Penn State University was hosting one of the summer of my going into my senior year of high school. Um, and at the time, I really didn't know what I was going to do with the rest of my life wasn't even considering Penn State very seriously, um, went to this one week summer camp. And in that one week, I was completely turned around to absolutely loving architecture and knowing that that was the path that I needed to follow. So um, just seeing the way that you go through a design process that you think very abstractly and creating concepts into forms into actual functioning spaces, I um, very quickly fell in love with and ended up spending my five years at Penn State University getting my undergrad there. So it was definitely a fantastic experience. Um, and then, uh, right now, obviously, with the American Institute of Architecture students, that quickly became very important to my education. So uh, as a first year, I was just finishing up a studio project. I just had my review. And one of the upper years in our studios came down and said, hey, does anyone want to go to this conference? It's going to be at the University of Buffalo. We're, we're heading out um, next Friday. And if you want to come, we really want you to come. So I was sitting there really not knowing what, my, <laughs> what I was going to do, but having no reason to say no to going to this conference. And yeah, that sounds cool. I get to hang out with some of the upper years in studio. Like, that'll be great. Um, so I jump in this car with them, go to University of Buffalo, and um, suddenly was welcomed into the crazy, wonderful world of the AIAS. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so at that time, it was the biggest thing for me was just getting to know the people within my own university and trying to find mentors, find friends that could help me, um, help me fix my parallel rule when it break down and. Um, connect me to all of the different opportunities that there were at Penn State. But after going to this conference, I realized just how many more opportunities there were within the AIS. Um, so that was still in first year. And coming home from that conference, I was asked by the current chapter president if I wanted to run for president. And I laughed because that sounded like a funny joke in to your, me. In your first year or your second year? My first year. First year. <laughs> so this is after my first weekend of anything AIAS related. Yeah. So your first um, experience with AIAS was Forum? 
It was that. So my first experience was this conference, right? Yeah. So, so this was a quad conference. Oh, it was a quad was, conference. Uh, okay. It was a smaller yep. regional conference. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then you so came back from that straight. and they said, hey, you want to be president? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so, I mean, at that time, I had just come out of high school where um, I didn't speak, let alone lead anything. Um, I was definitely very much kept to myself, doesn't really get too involved in a whole lot. And um, all of a sudden I was being asked to be a chapter president as a first year. Um, so I still remember after going to the elections and being successful against one other person who didn't take the role very seriously that um, calling my mom and saying that I was going to be a chapter president in my second year of school. And she thought I was kidding yeah. <laughs> because that was just something I would never have done. Um, yeah. So then I kind of took it upon myself and uh, the three board members that I had that were also first years to really rebuild our AIS chapter. So AIS quickly became a very, very important part of my education and actually probably took too much of a front-running position uh, to my studio classes, but it landed me here, so I guess it worked out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we, we really built up the program and I started to get more and more involved on a national level. Uh, we ended up then hosting a conference at Penn State in my third year of school. And at that time, um, the current Northeast Quad Director of the AIS board decided to step down. And at that point, the board asked me if I would step up into the role. So midway through my third year, I'm chapter president, hosting a quad conference, suddenly asked to join this national board of directors, which I know nothing about, um, and still trying to pass studio, which I just barely did. <laughs> um, but it was the best semester, and I learned so much from it. And then from there, just continued to get further and further involved to the point that I am right now. And yeah. and so you just worked your way through national. So so what was your first position? So you your first position on the national level was on the national board. Yes. Filling the role of someone else. Correct. And then so you then you had to be reelected, right? Exactly. For that position. Yes. And so how long were you as a a board member? So um, so let's see. I was in my third year. I was a board member for about six months. Um, so I filled in that second semester. Then I took a year break. So I went abroad in my fourth year to Rome, came back and then ran again for the same quad director position. So this would be um, really taking the lead with chapters everywhere from Virginia to Maine, uh, all the way over to West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And then um, so came back in over our forum conference, which is over New Year's, ran for that position in my fourth year and then had a full term as quad director in my fifth year. So um, then while in that role, it was really nice because I had a chance to continue to work with some of the same leaders and have an understanding of schools within the Northeast that I could build upon um, that were at that point then three years ongoing. Um, so I had a really fantastic Northeast quad director that was in between my two terms um, that really built up the role. 
so that when I came back into it, I had everything there on a silver platter. And then the Northeast since has definitely um, been growing and expanding. So it's been nice to see that now, five years later as president, um, that we're actually right now I'm in Boston getting ready to speak with Wentworth and Massard about their hosting of Forum in 2016. So it all is starting to come full circle. Yeah, I've been I've been following you on Facebook and I see that you're <laughs> traveling all over the country and speaking and meeting with different chapters. And I love that you're out there, you know, hustling and, and, and making those appearances <laughs> and, and getting people excited about what AIS is doing. Yeah, it's an absolutely incredible experience. I'm really, really fortunate. I absolutely love my job. Um, so I get to work with the most inspirational and passionate architecture students out there who are truly working to change the world, and they're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. So what's your mission when you're talking to these these students? What, what are you telling them? What's your mission at AIAS? Yeah, so um, it's actually funny you ask that because we're currently revising our mission statement. Um, but the the main mission of the AIS, I think, is to to promote leadership and excellence within architecture. So we're certainly trying to create a community of um, a community of architecture students who are looking to push forward and are looking to do more. So the AIS tends to serve as filling a void in an education experience, and that's going to vary from every for every student, but it could be anything from promoting um, a strong voice and being an advocate in talking about what you're passionate about, in acting towards what you feel should be going on either within your school or within the profession. Um, and really talking to architecture students about the power that they have as students. Um, you're paying for your education and should be getting the most out of it. So when you create a collective voice at a university or with an AIS chapter, um, you ultimately can really create a lot of change or create the environment and the culture that you wish to see there. So usually when I go around and speak to students and talking about how to be a leader, how to um, be a mentor, to find mentors, um, how you can really start to develop your professional track to be an entrepreneur, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> and all these sorts of ways that you can use your architecture education to connect you in academia to the profession and to push us um, as a profession even further than we already are. Yeah, I love that that you are are encouraging students to become leaders, that mm -hmm. they that they can make a difference, and not That's only in in their own schools but in the entire profession by stepping up and and saying what they believe and doing what they what they do. So it's it's great that you're out there talking about those things. Um, why do you think that that's important? Why do you think it's important that um, that architecture students? not just learn architecture and design great buildings, but why do you think it's important that they do sort of step up and become leaders? So really architects come, come throughout their education and come into the world as uh, with a very, very unique skill set. 
So you as an architect um, with architectural training are able to problem solve, you're able to understand complex situations and take a holistic perspective towards, um, towards what a solution can be. So a leader, so something that I've learned through my experience with AIS and um, recognizing the fact that I didn't fit the traditional mold of leadership a lot of architects, I don't think, necessarily fit that traditional mold or what you would think of as being a leader. However, we have a very, very particular ability to understand people and context. And that understanding and that ability to make connections and, um, and bring various perspectives to the table allows us to be fantastic community leaders. So in the same way that we need to advocate for our designs and architecture and think about how we're going to push forward our ideas, we naturally tend to become leaders in that way. So um, we certainly need to take an even further step in being community leaders. And if we're teaching our architecture students from day one how to be a leader, then hopefully by the time they're principals at their own firms, they can be leaders within their entire communities. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. And, and the idea that, that architects have this very unique skill set of being able to solve problems, for me, that goes way beyond, way beyond buildings. That right. I think that architecture and and the education of architects can go, you know, into many different fields, and still, uh, you know, still be architects, still have that education, have that skill set, still have that title, uh, and not necessarily build buildings. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm very much an advocate for for building strong businesses. Mm -hmm. You know, and and um, and you know, I'm an architect, and I design architecture as well. I have an architecture studio. Um, but my passion is business and encouraging others to build strong businesses. Um, I think that there are positions as architects in firms and outside of firms that uh, that architects can fill. That your goal doesn't need to be the designer of buildings. Yeah. Um, it sounds like that. It sounds like you're similar to that. That it sounds like your passion is leadership and managing of people and helping people make those connections between architecture and the people. Can you talk about that a little bit about the things that you're interested in? Sure. Um, yeah, I certainly have a true passion that lies deeper for the community of architecture and design than actually the discipline itself. Um, so I, can to I that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so right now um, I'm in a very privileged position to see students in the profession and um, and their role within communities and I recognize the skills that we as architects can bring to the table so um, I definitely definitely trying to use my understanding of people and connect the ways that architects can infiltrate into different, discussions and contexts and um, and trying to fill voids in which architects can really be a can be a really great change maker. Um, so in the same way that architects look to change the change the shape of buildings, we can certainly change the shape of um, 
of complex problems that our communities are facing too. Um, so leadership ultimately comes down to just being able to use your architectural skill set to do so much more. And I think that we as a profession owe it to ourselves and owe it to our family and friends to take that next step. Um, and so the AIS is, for me, a way to hopefully push that incentive and push that um, ownership in change making and in uh, doing the right thing and taking an extra step towards um, towards greatness in in architecture and yeah. how to do that. Let's take a quick break here to say thank you to FreshBooks for their support as a platform sponsor of Entree Architect. Because as a platform sponsor, FreshBooks has provided funding and support for our overall mission here at Entree Architect. They recognize the need for small firms like us to build better businesses in order to be better architects. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use accounting software designed to help us small firm owners get organized, save time, and get paid faster. It takes care of invoicing, expense tracking, estimating, reporting, and it all happens out on the cloud so you have access to your information from anywhere that you have access to the internet. And I use FreshBooks for my own small firm, Fivecat Studio, and my favorite feature of the FreshBooks software is sending my invoices by email and allowing my clients to pay by credit card. When FreshBooks says that you'll get paid faster, they're not kidding. With the convenience of clicking a button and paying by credit card, many of my clients pay now as soon as they receive their invoice. And for those clients who don't pay right away, FreshBooks automatically sends them a reminder of the balance due at an interval that I set. So once I send an invoice, I can go back to being an architect and I don't need to chase down any of my clients. And Tim Lee of FreshBooks will show you how easy it is to send invoices by email on our exclusive video series Tim and I produced exclusively for the Entree Architect community. Check out this free video series at entrearchitect.com slash freshbooksvideo. There's no catch. There's no email. It's completely free. Just go to entrearchitect.com slash freshbooksvideo and you will get the videos right away. There's three of them. Shows you everything you need to know about getting started. And then go to freshbooks.com slash architect, freshbooks.com slash architect and sign up for your free 30-day trial and give it a try. It's free. I suggest you just send one invoice and see what happens. That's how I got started. Just send one invoice to one client and see how it works. And when I did that and I got paid much faster than usual, I signed up for the rest of it and I set up my whole my whole account in FreshBooks. FreshBooks.com slash architect for your free 30-day trial. And be sure to enter Entree Architect into how did you hear about us section. It takes a very unique skill set to be a leader and to be change makers. It's, mm -hmm. it's difficult, as you know, uh, you said that, you know, you were sort of n never expecting to end up in the position that you're in. Um, if you look at yourself as a first year architecture student and to where you are today, uh, very different than where you expected to be, right? Yeah. And there was, there was a lot of steps to get through who you were to who you are. Are, are there things that, that the AIAS at a national level and at a, a chapter level, that are they, are they doing that kind of training or is it just sort of encouragement and, and support? 
Yeah, so we absolutely are working to do that type of training. Um, so, I mean, the first thing that we do is we have a grassroots leadership conference that is in the summer every year. And the original intent of that conference was to be for our chapter leaders. So you would come to Washington, D.C. in the summer before you started your term as a chapter president or chapter secretary, and you would come to learn about leadership excellence, how to work with people on your team, how to work with your administration, how you can connect your AIS chapter to the AIA and to the professionals, um, how you budget, how to create fundraising events. Um, just talking about all of these things within chapter management that ultimately lead you to being a better leader in whatever it is that you choose to focus on. Um, so that grassroots conference is our biggest skills development conference. And we've since expanded our leadership track into having a entrepreneurship track and a technology track, as well as Freedom by Design, which is our community service program. Um, it's a design build program that happens at AIS chapters, which is absolutely fantastic and um, a career track as well. So working on specific professional development. So, so you have different tracks. And so what, what, what entails the track? If somebody wants to get onto the entrepreneur track, how does that work? What, what happens and what do they get out of that? Um, so we just started this track system um, just a couple of years ago and we just added technology and entrepreneurship actually this past year. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> And the reason that we did that is because we're seeing that so many architecture students are looking for that and they're they're looking to the AIS to um, to provide the resources that they might not be getting within traditional architecture curriculum. Yep. Um, and entrepreneurship is certainly one of those things. So for any member, if you're looking to learn more about how how to start your own business, how to um, kind of take your own initiative once you enter a firm. We have this entrepreneurship track that is bringing in professionals that are either within architecture or not. Usually they're local to DC, so you're getting a little bit of a local flair to it. And really trying to get you exposure to what it's like to be either working in entrepreneurial aspects or thinking about professional development um, or focusing on the newest technology trends. So bringing in these experts uh, to the different tracks and then allowing students to either focus on one track or jump back and forth between multiple. So for our leadership track, we have actually peers who are doing all of the different sessions. So all AIS members are the ones who are leading those leadership tracks. Um, so we on the national board tend to take the reins on those presentations and then have an opportunity to speak one-on-one -on -one with our chapter leaders that those conversations last throughout the year. So that's sort of a little preview as to how it all works. Yeah, yeah, I, that's that's fantastic. Do you do you think, and I sense I sense that they are. Do you think that the current architecture students, this this next generation of architects, you think they're different than the than the existing architects, the existing generation? Do you think they're coming in with a different point of view? Uh, so 
the whole generation conversation is really, really interesting to me. Um, I had an opportunity to to sit on a millennial panel in New York actually just a month ago or so. But um, I think that my my gut response is that we as a generation aren't that different. However, our exposure and our ability to um, take advantage of resources is different. So we come out of school, we're much more civic minded. So that I do think is a generational shift in the sense that we're constantly thinking about um, nonprofit and pro bono. We're constantly thinking about how we can serve rather than um, rather than kind of just going away from the architect perception. Yeah. Um, it was actually pretty interesting. One of the questions that we asked at our grassroots leadership conference last summer to all of our chapter presidents was if you were to start architecture today, if it didn't have hundreds of years of history behind it, what do you think the profession should do um, or what should it be? Great question. And there, yeah, it was really interesting and we had some awesome, awesome responses. Um, but the general consensus was killing the idea of Howard Rourke, getting rid of the architect perception and being true servants and being um, using our skills to serve others. So there's definitely a much stronger sense of community and students are coming out of school looking for opportunities to see a direct impact of what they're doing. So that tends to fall into nonprofit work or into at least opportunities where they can instantly see the gratification of who they're working for. Um, so for example, our Freedom by Design program. This is a program in which students uh, at a university will do their own design build for someone who is in need, whether that's a physical disability, um, financial inability, mental, um, really anything like that in which architectural services can help them and improve their lives and give them freedom. Um, so this program is starting to really, really gain a lot of traction and it's been around for 10 years, but at this point, other organizations are turning to us and, as the AIS and trying to figure out how they can get involved with Freedom by Design. Whereas 10 years ago, the idea of this program was going around to the AIA and to NCARB and to a few others, and they weren't that interested in it, whereas the AIS was thrilled. They couldn't wait to get their hands on a program like this that would give design, build, and community service opportunity. So... I think you can just tell that that aspect is very, very important to students. So as a generation, we're coming out of school and we're looking to see a direct impact of our work and we're looking for opportunities that we can make a difference no matter how small it might be that's going to give us that sort of instant gratification of the hard work that we put into it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would say that, that I, I would also encourage students and this this this, this next generation to um, to sort of try to blend the two mm -hmm. to to create businesses that are thriving and profitable right. and and give back. Yeah, those businesses serve. 
have them have the purpose of those businesses serve others, but make them thriving, profitable businesses. Because profit's not bad. It's what drives this, the yes. success. It's what drives the ability to do more of that good service. And I think that's a very strong message that needs to be, be made that nonprofit's great, but if you can create profit, mm -hmm. create something that actually builds a strong business, you can do more. You can yeah. actually create more service. You can create more, you can give back more. Um, and so I would that would just be one thing that I would encourage students to think about that because I, I, I think that the pendulum swings. Right. And sometimes it swings so far that they just want to serve. And then mm -hmm. what happens is that it's not sustainable. Things, exactly. Yeah, if, you, if you look at um, uh, architecture for humanity and how far it swung, yeah. it it didn't work. You know, mm -hmm. if it if they structured that more as a as a business, they would have been able to sustain the, that mission. I know it's I know it's coming back, and there, there's other people that are trying to bring it back. That's a fantastic um, point, though. But that's something that I think that that students sometimes in their eagerness to give back and to serve, mm -hmm. they forget that that money's not bad. It's corruption that's bad. Yeah. Um, and so to to structure these organizations to to be able to sustain themselves uh, will allow them to to grow and grow beyond the people who are creating them. Definitely. That's very, very true. Um, yeah. So certainly in the same sense that we're talking about serving, we're also talking about value. Yes. Um, so a big thing that the AIS discusses is this idea of studio culture. Um, and a value of your time and your skills. So um, studio culture has been a big topic within the AIS for 15 plus years now. And um, it's really talking about changing the behaviors of an all-nighter culture, the ego that's built up when you're not sleeping, you're not going to your other classes, you're ordering pizza at 3 a.m. and all of these unhealthy behaviors that architecture school tends to um, tends to have a prideful reaction to. Um, so the AIS is really trying to flip that on its head and allow students to be leaders in the sense that they're the ones that are changing those perceptions. They're the ones that are changing the myths of what is the correct behavior and what is going to be successful. Um, so it's sort of, this is a long way of relating back to the idea of value and profit is that if we're able to shift that mindset of students from day one in the sense that you should be having a, a healthy, balanced life right. and you should be valuing yourself and your time, um, hopefully that will then allow them to enter the profession with an understanding of what they bring to the table and the value that they have in terms of the fact that you do need to be compensated and you do need to um, be working with time management and thinking about how you're going to build profit and be sustainable. So that's certainly the opposite end of things we're trying to push forward as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's so important. And, and that's the message that I try to to get out there to architects and students that that it's it's strong businesses that will help build this profession back right. to the strength that it once was and and it will allow us to uh, to give back to society more 
Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be able to do the things that we're good at and and live that balanced, healthy life uh, because we'll have the, the financial resources to do so. Yeah. So what's next for Danielle Mitchell after after AIAS? Uh, <laughs> what are your plans? Where are you going after that? This is the million dollar question <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I wish I had an answer for. Um, well, what do so, you where, where, generally maybe not a specific place, but generally what do you want to 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 um, explore? Like where yeah. where do you want to go? Um, so what right now what I'm exploring um, is the idea of design strategy, um, thinking about how I can remain within the profession of architecture, but it, serving in a role for a firm or maybe not even a firm that would allow me to to work with our clients. So I have had an opportunity to really understand what it means to connect society at large and the reasoning behind architecture and design and um, in the way that architects tend to speak in this different language and have thought processes that are difficult for the everyday person to fully understand. Um, I definitely would love to be in a role where I can try to bring clients and bring the everyday people into those conversations um, and allow them to feel very much involved with whatever changes are taking place. Um, so trying to combine this change management and abilities to create organizational change during architectural change. Um, so ideally serving in a role that would allow me to continue to be a connector between architecture and people um, and make the process of architecture much more enjoyable and personal for the everyday person too. Yeah, I think that's a great place to go. Yeah, so yeah. if you don't have any jobs, let me know. <laughs> yeah, well, you may, you may have to create your own, I might. Uh, which may not might. be a bad thing as yeah. an entrepreneur who used to sell her artwork as a child. That's uh, true. To, you were a born <laughs> entrepreneur and you just don't know it. Right, um, right. So if there's anything I can do to help, definitely reach out. Uh, I will. I'm, I'm happy to help. Um, AIAS.org is AIAS's website. Uh, you're on Twitter at D underscore Mitch, M-I-T-C-H 19. Uh, Any place else people can uh, reach out and connect with you if they wanted to? Yeah, Instagram right now is a big one. Um, what's, so your, what's your username on Instagram? Same. I think it's Danielle Mitchell 19. I think that's just okay, one. Well, you don't have to look it up. We'll look it up and put it in the show notes. <laughs> so check her out on, on Instagram. Any, anywhere else? Uh, then Facebook too. Yeah. Um, so really connecting all of the social medias and usually everything that I talk about ends up having something to do with AIS. So, yeah. so we'll, um, we'll put all those links on the show notes so, so people can connect with you there. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else you want to, uh, to say before we wrap up here? Uh, let's see, I guess just in terms of leadership, it's really exciting to see the idea of leadership coming to the forefront of the minds of architects. Um, and it's one of the, one of the things that the AIS is very, very passionate about and our, our members, our leaders, no matter what capacity they serve in. And so I would just leave my last bit of inspiration being that we as a profession, I think, 
a lot of times have to look back on ourselves and who we were during those first couple weeks of architecture school and mm. think about the um, our ability to have this immortality and this um, this true sense of the fact that we're going to change the world and doesn't matter what obstacles we face that we're going to do it. Uh, so just whenever challenges occur and when times get tough, remembering back to the inspiring days that led you to architecture and design and how your leadership skills um, can really push that forward for our upcoming generation. Yeah, those are good words. <laughs> yeah, Danielle, thank you for, for your service to our profession. Absolutely. And thank you, Mark. You're welcome. And, and thank you for sharing your knowledge here today on Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you. Complete show notes and a direct link to download this episode may be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 117. You can subscribe to the show over at iTunes at entrearchitect.com slash iTunes, and you can leave us a review and a rating over there while you're at it. And come join us over at our Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group. You can uh, We talk about uh, architecture and leadership, and you can even let us know what you think about this next generation of architects. You can access the Facebook group over at entrearchitect.com slash group. And if you're an architect or an architecture student, you can ask for access and we will grant it. And it's a great group over there. We're having a, a, some really, really deep conversations. So go over to entrearchitect.com slash group and, and join us. And don't forget to pick up access to your free three-module digital course. This is an important one. Profit for Small Firm Architects. It teaches you everything you need to know to be profitable. Just head over to entrearchitect.com slash free course. That's easy to remember. And it's it's a valuable course. If, if we weren't giving it away, we'd be selling it for like two, three hundred, maybe five hundred dollars. So it's a, it's a valuable course. We put a lot of effort into it and we want you to have it for free because we want you to be profitable. My name is Mark Arlapage and I am an entrepreneur architect and I encourage you to go share what you know See you next week. Thank you for listening. mentioned it to my family but in terms of telling people like oh yeah we're doing this i'm looking for projects you got anything yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me dreaming of launching your own architecture firm well, well buckle up for a wild ride with emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm where do we begin we don't even know what type of business to formalize as is it an llc is it an llp like how are taxes i mean the list is astronomical <laughs> Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey 
from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> I did it, guys. Oh one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.